What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 74, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC 242 pay-per-view going down this Saturday, September 7th, from Abu Dhabi, UAE. This is a 13-fight card that will start at 10 a.m. Eastern Time with four fights on UFC Fight Pass and ESPN+. Then we will move over to the TV station FX for four fights at 12 p.m. And then the five-fight main card pay-per-view portion will air at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, a very special starting time for the UFC's pay-per-view. They always make the pay-per-views at the primetime slot 10 p.m. Eastern Time, but they're making an adjustment for this card because it is in Abu Dhabi. And this is a hell of a pay-per-view card. There's great matchups from top to bottom, and the main event is truly just an elite-level MMA matchup that I can't wait to break down. So um, we have 13 fights to break down and we are going to start things off in the first fight of the evening in the lightweight division where we have Don Madge who is 8-3-1 taking on Faras Zayam who is 10-2. The opening betting line for this one was Madge the favorite at minus 350, Zayam plus 250 and right now we are seeing Madge minus 165, Zayam plus 145 so more action coming in on the underdog uh, Zayam's way and I think that's the right side of the action. Uh, Zayam is making his UFC debut in this one and I believe is on short notice as well. He's filling in for an injured uh, Magomed Mustafaev um, but Zion looks very legitimate. He is, a, I think he's only 22 years old, but he's got a good kickboxing background. He's got 20 pro kickboxing fights, and he also has a very good wrestling game. He's got a huge arsenal of, of takedowns that he's used in his regional fights, and I've been impressed with them. So I think this is going to be a close fight, so that's why we're seeing a little bit closer of a line in this one, and plus 250 was definitely pretty wide. I think on the feet, Mad should be the slightly better striker. He was really impressive in his UFC debut against Tay Edwards. He came out super aggressive. He dropped him early, uh, went on, got taken down, spent some time on his back, but used uh, that time to threaten with some submissions off his back like he likes to do. He He's kind of content to accept bottom position at time, which is a little bit of a worry in this fight. But Madge used that uh, armbar or triangle attempt to get back to the feet where he was able to rock Edwards with a head kick and then finish him off with another head kick. So he looked extremely impressive getting the second round knockout in that fight. Um, but he does have some slight weaknesses. I'd say his takedown defense and accepting bottom are two things that he struggles with. But he has been working a lot on his defensive grappling and takedowns and jujitsu for this camp. He has been filming his entire training camp on YouTube. So you can see the progress he's making. And uh, with him getting taken down last fight, uh, I expect him to come in and prove with his takedown defense this time. But Zion, I think, will be looking to get the takedowns. I think he really needs takedowns to be comfortable uh, to win fights because his kickboxing is good, but I think that Madge will have that slight advantage, so it won't be a winnable fight for him in just striking, so Zion will be looking to mix in the takedowns. So I think Zion will get Madge down at least once or twice, maybe in the early rounds, but as the fight goes later, I think Madge will start yeah, getting up from those takedowns, uh, stuffing shots, and then that cardio advantage will come in as well because Zion is taking this on short notice, uh, three weeks notice, and uh, that's going to play in a factor in the later rounds for sure. Uh, I, I doubt that the cardio can be uh, up to point, especially if he's using a lot of offensive wrestling in the early rounds. So uh, I think it's a dogger pass where the line is at now. I, I would cap uh, Madge around minus 150 or so. So there's a little bit of value left on, on uh, Zion where the, the price is at right now. But um, it's, um, the pick is going to be Madge to get it done by decision. But I think that uh, the value is on the dog in this one. So... Uh, with that being said, we're going to move on to the next fight. This one takes place in the middleweight division. We have Zach Cummings, who is 23-6, taking on Omari Akhmedov, who is 18-4-1. The opening betting line for this one was Akhmedov, minus 185, Cummings, plus 145. And right now we are seeing Akhmedov, minus 125, Cummings, plus 105. So more action coming in on the dog Cummings. And another line movement that I'm going to agree with, I think this is a, a very close fight. It really could go either way. And full disclosure, I think it's a very hard fight to predict because uh, both of these guys are kind of slower, older fighters. They're both uh, pretty low output, and they don't really look too... Uh, 
inspiring in the cage lately. Cummings is coming off of that uh, come from behind uh, guillotine victory versus Trevin Giles. He was losing the first two rounds of that fight, getting outboxed. But Giles got complacent in round three. Cummings landed a huge overhand left or right. I, I forget which uh, punch. And then Cummings was able to snatch up the guillotine and get that come from behind victory. So that was a good uh, win for him. But He's moved up to 185 somewhat recently against uh, Trevor Smith. He looked okay. He won the decision just by outstriking Smith. But, um, you know, Cummings is, is slow on the feet. He's hittable. He doesn't have much uh, reliable offense. He certainly doesn't have good output. But luckily, he can come with a big power shot from time to time and has a decent submission game to fall back on as well. Uh, the same kind of goes for Akhmedov. He's a former welterweight as well. Moved up uh, pretty recently to... Uh, Middleweight, he had that draw with Vittori where he was rocking him early with big shots but then gassed out and went to a draw in the, the last two rounds. Um, and Akhmedov is, is pretty low output as well. He uh, versus Tim Boach, super low output fight. It was you know a terrible fight to watch. Uh, Akhmedov really just likes to explode with the occasional power shot, but I think he was weary of gassing in that last fight versus Boach, and that's why he took it so easy and barely threw anything that entire fight. It was just a lot of stalling against the cage and uh, inactivity. So it's, it's a hard fight to pick because both of their last fights were kind of a head scratcher, and uh, they're liable to be staring at each other this fight and both of them are going to be looking to counter strike and neither guy's going to be throwing much so if this one goes to the scorecards which i think it should it's going to be a, a complete toss-up i think i think the judges could be scoring it for either guy i think it's going to be one of those fights where the the fighters landed maybe five ten strikes around um you know, so the the most definitive ending to this fight would be a knockout on either end. Uh, I don't see Cummings uh, rocking uh, Omari. He's got a pretty good chin, but Omari could definitely land a, a power shot on Cummings and uh, maybe sit him down with a shot. But it's it's just a hard fight to predict. I'm going to lean Cummings by decision because I think he has a little bit better of an output and cardio and just a little bit better of the overall uh, game. So I think that Cummings will get it done by decision. But honestly, this is going to be a pass for me. I think. The even Cummings, even though Cummings has that plus money next to his name, I just don't think it's worth it. It's just too hard of a fight to predict, and I think even if you win a bet on this fight, it's going to feel like a total sweat, and you're going to be going into those scorecards not knowing if your bet's going to cash or not. So my pick is to uh, is Cummings by decision, but I'm staying away from this one in the betting window. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Nordin Taleb, who is 15 and 6, taking on Muslim Salikov, who is 14 and 2. The opening betting line for this one was Salikov, the minus 195 favor to Taleb at plus 155. Right now, we are seeing the line flip. Taleb minus 125 now to Salikov at plus 105. So. Uh, I would disagree with this line movement where it's at now. I think it is a very close fight. It could be uh, another similar fight to the last one, like a near pick'em fight. Fortunately, these guys have a little bit more a higher output and throw with a little more power than the, the Akhmedov and Cummings. So I think this one fight is a little easier to predict, but still a very even matchup in this one. So we'll start things off with Taleb. He picked up that uh, nice decision victory over Prepolek in his last fight. Prepolek was a former lightweight coming in on short notice making his debut and Taleb just took no risks and outstruck him in that fight pretty cleanly. So that's what he needed though because he had lost some fights lately um, by, by knockout. He was winning that fight versus Strickland. He, he looked good. He was uh, His jab was on point. His defense was looking good. But it looked like the pressure of Strickland just got to him in the second round. Taleb started eating some, some straight punches and eventually got rocked and, and knocked out in the second round of that fight by Sean Strickland, who is a notorious guy for, for not having much power. And the pressure and straight punches just got to Taleb and broke him in that round. So that was a kind of worrisome performance. Uh, you know, when you're getting knocked out by Strickland, you could think that you were at the end of your career. And both of these guys are, um, I think, Taleb's 37, Salikov's 35. They're both up there in years. Uh, Salikov's coming off that long layoff. His last victory was all the way back in April of 2018. It was a nice second-round knockout over Ricky Rainey. Hit Rainey with a big overhand right to the back of the ear and finished him off with some ground and pound, knocking him out cold in that one. Salikov is a... Uh, 
you know, Russians, I believe a Sambo guy or Wushu Sanda guy. He's got really good spinning back kicks. And I don't I don't just say that as he spams it out there sometimes. I mean, this is one of the few guys in the UFC who can set up his spinning back kicks extremely effectively. Like he'll fake, he'll throw it to the body a couple of times and then on the third one he'll go to the head or he'll set it up off his punches really nice. So it's a legitimate uh, path to victory, the spinning back kick. I think he's won multiple, multiple fights uh, by spinning back kick knockouts. So um, on this one, it should be it should be a fight on the feet. Uh, it should be a striking matchup between these two. Neither of them are too likely to uh, hit an offensive takedown. I'd say the more likely one is Salikov, um, but I don't think that we'll see either guy uh, hit the takedown in this one. Um, so uh, because both of them have actually had a little bit of weakness on the ground. Uh, Salikov got taken down, held down, and tapped out by Alex Garcia. And Taleb was winning that fight versus Claudio Silva, was outstriking him on his way to knocking Silva out in the first round, but got caught up in a takedown, made some mistakes on the ground, and got rear naked choked himself. So neither of them are too high, uh, too skilled on the ground. I think we're bound to see a striking matchup, and I think it's going to be a close one, like I've said. So I think Taleb will be the more active striker. He w- should win round one. He should be throwing and landing the more strikes, but I have a hard time trusting Taleb to avoid that power shot of Salikov. I think Salikov is going to be looking to set up that overhand right, the spinning back kick and just look to land that power bomb on the chin of Taleb that's had some some trouble lately so um in this one I I have trouble laying the chalk uh paying uh minus money for Taleb to trust that chin of his to trust that fight IQ of his and I I like Salikov in this one to come off that uh, that long layoff with making some good improvements and uh get the knockout victory on Taleb in this one and this is another fight where even though uh Salikov is at that plus money uh, I'm a little bit worried uh, about laying laying a bet down on Salikov because I think if this one does go to decision it should it should be Taleb getting the decision he will be the more active guy, but uh, Salikov's Russian. He should have that Dubai crowd behind him. It's a very pro-Russia crowd, and he's going to be landing the bigger, more powerful shots. So Salikov has a chance at winning a decision. Um, so I think the that Salikov is the right side of the equation. It's definitely dog or pass, and I'm going to pick Salikov to get the second-round knockout in this one. The next fight also takes place in the welterweight division. We have Bilal Muhammad, who is 15-3, taking on Takashi Sato, who is 15-2. The opening betting line for this one was Muhammad minus 230, Sato plus 170. Right now we are seeing Muhammad minus 360, Sato plus 300. So much more action coming in on the favorite, Bilal Muhammad in this one, and that's the right side uh, in this one. I think the Muhammad is the better fighter uh, wherever the fight goes. His biggest advantage will come in the wrestling department in this one. He's got very good takedowns, top control. Uh, he picked up a nice decision victory over Melender in his last fight. Um, he's really only lost to really skillful, powerful strikers like Jeff Neal, Vincente Luque, uh, Alan Juban, not the most powerful guy, but that that fight was a few years ago. And Muhammad has picked up some really good wins. He outgrappled Jordan Meehan and Randy Brown and Chance Rencounter. Those guys are all, you know, I'd say B-level grapplers in in MMA, and I put Blaw in that category as well. But he's just got good top pressure and takedowns, and he's also got really good striking as well. He's got a good boxing fundamentals, and he can he can take a shot. You know, versus Jeff Neal, he was. Uh, pretty much out of that fight, out on his feet, just getting tagged with big punches, but refused to get knocked out and lasted to the decision. So Muhammad's uh, chin can take a shot for sure. Uh, And that's really where Sato's only path to victory, I think, comes in this fight. Because on the ground, I don't think Sato has the takedown defense to stop the takedowns of Muhammad. And he's actually really worried me in the way that he defends takedowns. He, if you watch the fight versus Franca a couple fights ago in Pancrase, he was taken down uh, a few times in that in uh, the early rounds. Lost the first two rounds versus Franca. He came back, started stuffing takedowns, and won round three. But in round four, he was taken down once more and gave up his back and got rear naked choked. So he's he gives up his back a little bit against the when he's getting up from the takedowns. And Muhammad uh, has good back takes, not the best rear naked chokes. He but I've seen him take a lot of backs in the UFC and uh, like I said, doesn't always get the finish but he, he will win rounds in top position he's a very safe grappler good positionally sound and uh, Sato's really only path to victory I think is going to be landing that straight left hand and uh, wobbling uh, Muhammad on the feet and trying to search for a finish because uh, 
if the fight stays on the feet for a long amount of time, I think Muhammad will start to get the better of Sato, outboxing him, start landing good leg kicks, and eventually set up the takedown as well, where he should really run away with the fight. So Sato's path to victory is going to be that first round knockout, try to test the chin, and he could do it. He does have some power in his left hand. He has knocked out a lot of opponents with it before. He knocked out uh, Ben Saunders with it last fight, but in round one of that fight versus Saunders, he was getting tagged with some punches and arguably lost round one versus Ben Saunders in 2019, so that's a not a good sign, and I think uh, Muhammad should be pretty comfortable uh, wherever this fight goes, and pending a round one knockout from Sato, I think Muhammad should run away with the scorecards. Uh, possibly win in 30-27 or maybe even getting that submission because uh, Sato has made uh, a lot of mistakes on uh, in the grappling realm of things and uh, Muhammad could certainly capitalize and get that submission. So the pick is going to be uh, Muhammad to get it done by 30-27 decision. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Timu Pakalin who is 8-2 taking on Otman Azatar who is 11-0. The opening betting line for this one was... Azatar the favorite at minus 305 to Pakalin at plus 225. Right now we are seeing Azatar minus 220, Pakalin plus 180. So a little more action coming in on the dog Pakalin in this one. And I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, neither of these guys are very high level. I was actually extremely underwhelmed with both fighters when I was uh, doing my research for this card. So uh, I understand why people came in at that plus 200 because it is a low, lower level fight. Azatar has struggled with takedown defense. Pakalin's uh, main path to victory is takedowns and submissions. So there's certainly a path to victory for Pakalin there, but I've just I, I was actually way more unimpressed with Pakalin than I was Azatar. Azatar trains at AKA, one of the best gyms in the world. He's good buddies with Khabib, and I had some high expectations, thinking that he was uh, you know a prodigy of that gym and uh, was very well rounded. But I, I was. Uh, his striking is super wild. He does not throw anything too crisp. He has some power in his hands, and but his takedown defense is really bad. I mean, he was getting taken down uh, multiple times versus uh, Pato when they fought. He got his back briefly taken. He he was making mistakes getting back to his feet. Uh, and on the when he's striking, he's he's not very technical. He was getting hit with some big punches himself. He was swinging big, powerful bombs without much technique behind them, just looking to get that early knockout. And he he was actually dropped on the feet really bad versus Charlie Leary when they fought in the first maybe 15 seconds. He has this trend where he just comes out the gate just throwing bombs for the first 30 seconds of the fight, and then he sees where it goes. Um, so. Pakalin, his striking has been uh, really unimpressive as well, so I don't give him much of a chance at touching the chin of Asatar and knocking him out early. Pakalin's real uh, path to victory in this one is going to be uh, getting that takedown, uh, getting the top pressure on Asatar, looking for a submission, maybe even winning rounds and getting the decision. Uh, but, uh, you know, Azatar, we, we have not seen him go to the decision too much, so his cardio could not be up to par as well. But I watched uh, Pakalin's fight where he went to the decision versus um, Labot, and he looked terrible in that fight his cardio was bad he couldn't keep top position he was getting outstruck on the feet and that was a fight where his opponent came in on short notice and he came in there and, and uh, was able to, to defeat him on short notice so really bad performance by uh, by him and Paclin is coming off of a long layoff uh, versus Mark Casey was his last fight in, all the way in, in March of 2017 so a two and a half year layoff for Paclin and that fight he got knocked out in 30 seconds so uh, Paclin's only had real one real moment of success in the UFC, and that was landing an early uppercut, knocking out Gotti, and getting the rear naked choke on him in less than 30 seconds. So I think that these two are going to come out the gate swinging from, from the jump, and I think that Azdar has a good chance at touching the chin of Paclin and knocking him out in round one. Despite him not having uh, very good striking, he, he throws with power, Paclin's defense is bad, and uh, it's, it's a low-level MMA, so it's certainly possible we see a round one knockout. Um, and I think the Azatar working at AKA and uh, having the more experience uh, lately in the past couple years, I think that's going to come into, into play. I think his takedown defense will be good enough to withstand the takedown of Paklin, keep the fight standing, and he should outstrike Paklin um, from then on. So it's not a confident pick because, uh, as I mentioned, lower level MMA, anything can happen. 
and I, I was unimpressed with both of these guys a skill set Packlin coming off that long layoff he could have made some uh, a lot of improvements in that two years and he could come in here and look great and pull off the upset but I just don't see it happening I'm going to pick Azatar to get the round two knockout in this one the next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Sarah Moras, who is five and five, taking on Liana Joja, who is seven and two. The opening betting line for this one was Joja, the minus two fifteen favorite, Moras plus one sixty five, and right now we are seeing Joja minus one forty five, Moras plus one twenty five. So more action coming in on the underdog Moras in this one, and I think that's the rightful side of things. And it's it's surprising saying that because Moras has looked uh, pretty bad lately. I think she's coming off of two or maybe three losses in a row. Um, yep, three losses in a row, um, but to decent level competition: Pudilova, Bernardo, Chiasa and uh, Maras on the feet she, she really has no striking she's really looking to close distance right away and get the takedown and when she has decent takedowns she has decent top pressure um, she came out uh, really aggressive versus Chasen got the takedown in the first five seconds and was able to retain top position for four minutes but she was trying to pass guard wasn't successful wasn't landed any ground and pound didn't come close to any submissions and then in after four minutes um, Chasen reversed position and then landed maybe 10 15 good ground and pound strikes and stole the round so even though Maras had early Early success with the takedown had four minutes of top control she still couldn't do enough to win the round and uh, got smashed at the end of the round lost the round came out in round two looked a little defeated she pulled guard round two and got smashed with more ground and pound and got finished so Maras is really not a high-level fighter. She's looking to get the takedowns, but in her UFC career, she shot 19 takedowns, and she's only landed five of them. So uh, I, I'm really not too too impressed with Maras, but this is this is a, a winnable matchup because JoJo's coming in here off of an 18-month layoff, um, and her last fight was a five-round decision versus uh, uh, Matkatina. Uh, it was a fight over in Russia, and it, it was a sloppy, sloppy affair. I was somewhat impressed with Joja's defensive uh, grappling abilities, but the fight was uh, Makatina going for takedowns the entire time. And Joja was getting taken down and was uh, getting put on bottom at some times, but she did a good job defending. She defended leg locks and triangles and arm bars and all types of submissions. And that's going to be good for her because Maras's path to victory, I think, is going to be uh, the, the offensive grappling and the submission. And uh, Joja showed ability to scramble. She showed ability to get back to her feet, defend submissions. Uh, it was really only her takedown defense that really worried me. But... It really doesn't matter if you have if you do, if you get down to the ground if you can bounce right back up to your feet and escape the position easily that's just as good as stuff in the takedown. So uh, she had good cardio in that fight. She uh, was uh, the better striker. She outstruck Makatina the entire fight, and she looked good on the feet. She doesn't have too impressive striking, but she's effective moving forward. Good throws in combination. She's got a good front kick that she throws a lot. So I think on the feet in this one, Jojo should be the better striker by a decent margin. But it, it, I don't think the fight will be contested on the feet too much because Maras is going to be relentlessly closing the distance. And if Joja is not able to reverse position and, and get on top herself or get back to the feet, I think she'll lose the fight. If she gets stuck on bottom versus uh, Maras in rounds one and two, I think Maras will run away with rounds one and two and win on the scorecards. Uh, I don't see Maras getting the submission because... As I mentioned before, Joja's uh, scrambling ability, her um, sub-defense has looked pretty good. But uh, Makatina went for a lot of low-level submissions in that one. She was losing position. She was going for uh, low-success submissions. And she showed a lot of uh, inexperience herself. So it, it was a sloppy back-and-forth grappling fest. But it was 25 minutes, and she showed good cardio in it. Uh, she showed she's UFC-ready, in my opinion. And uh, I expect Joja to make some big improvements coming off that 18-month layoff as well. So I'm going to pick Joja to win the fight. I think that she will be able to uh, escape the takedowns, escape the bottom position, get back to her feet and outstrike Maras on the feet, maybe even getting a late finish because Maras really has nothing on the feet. She's been she's been dropped before um, and she's been outstruck by Pudilova, by Bernardo and uh, 
if this one is on the feed, I'm pretty confident JoJo sh should run away with it. But it's it's uh, I don't knock the people coming in on, on Morass at plus 140, 150, 160 because uh, she has a path to victory to this fight. She's got the UFC experience. She might be the bigger woman in this fight. So that top position is going to be key for her. It really comes down to if Morass is able to win rounds one and two with the takedowns. If she's not, I think JoJo should round, win rounds two and three pretty comfortably to the decision. But uh, the pick is going to be JoJo, but it's going to be Dogger Pass. I, I can't trust my money on uh, JoJo coming in here making her UFC debut. I always advise, if a woman is making her UFC debut, she better be the better grappler by a wide margin if you want her to bet, if you want to bet her. Because women's MMA fights, they have a tendency of ending up on the ground. They have a tendency of ending in very uh, meme-like fashion, as we saw in the title fight this past weekend. The two of the highest level women in in, uh, in the sport went out there and just rock em, sock em robots for 50, 50 seconds and got knocked out. So... Anything can happen in uh, WMMA, and that's why I'm advising to stay away from the favorite in this one, Joja. I'm just not quite confident enough in her to lay the, the, the chalk in this one. So the pick is going to be Joja, but I'm staying away from it in the betting window. The next fight is going to be in the featherweight division. We have Zubaria Tuhuov, who is 18-4, taking on Lerone Murphy, who is 8-0. The opening betting line for this one was Zubaria minus 565, Murphy plus 375. Right now we are seeing Zubaria minus 440, Murphy plus 350. So I like calling him Zubaria instead of Tukhunov. Uh, he's more uh, well known as Zubaria anyway. Uh, one of Khabib's boys, a Dagestani. He's uh, he's not the same as the other Dagestanis though. The the difference between uh, Zubaria and Islam is huge. So don't get it twisted. Just because they train at the same gyms, they're in the same clique, they're all friends. Uh, Zubaria is not nearly the fighter some of his other Dagestani uh, brethren are. He's coming off of a three-year layoff. Has not fought since UFC 198, all the way back in May of 2016. So huge layoff for Tukhunov. He's coming off of a couple suspensions. A USADA suspension. Uh, a Nevada suspension for hopping in the cage after the McGregor fight and uh, not getting over to his fighting ability uh, I had honestly never saw Zubaria fight before because he hasn't fought in three years haven't had to tape the student forever and I don't remember watching him fight a few years ago and I'm super underwhelmed with what I saw from him he, he really throws power strikes in the feet primarily he throws big looping uh, hooks and overhand rights i don't think i've ever seen him throw a straight punch down the middle no jab no straight right hand and he often has trouble closing the distance getting inside on fighters getting in that boxing range versus the better striker and that's how he lost that fight versus hanato moiscano uh, last time it was a close fight split decision but I think the rightful guy, Moiscano, won. He was landing the better shots. Uh, Moiscano was stuffing takedowns. Uh, uh, Zubaria's takedowns are just not very impressive. He, he likes to try to muscle them, and um, he just does not have a very reliable takedown that he can go to uh, over and over again. And he uh, Zubar likes throwing spinning techniques and he does have a decent wrestling base like he can defend a takedown very well he has a, very, a great understanding of grappling i just don't think he's nearly as uh, impressive as a lot of his other uh, uh dagestani people which may not even come into contention in this fight because uh Le leron murphy's coming in here uh, on short notice i believe and uh, Tukhunov should be the better grappler than Murphy in this one. But Murphy has shown a decent takedown defense. He's shown uh, the ability to get back up to his feet, to not accept bottom position, to use the cage to stand back up. And he trains out of a pretty good gym over in England. He trains with uh, Brendan Lognane and uh, some other uh, high-level uh, British fighters. So the, the level of grappling that he's getting over there in England is nowhere near the level that uh, Zubaria trains at. So it should be a, a, a path to victory for Zubaria to hit takedowns. I'm just not relying on it too heavily because Tukhunov is not a, uh, a dominant grappler. He's not the type of guy to go out there and land uh, takedowns and keep top control and have good ground and pound. That's just not his style. He's kind of more of a brawler and he fights uh, in a little bit of an uncalculated way. Um, now getting over to Murphy striking... 
he uh, he he's impressed me. He's eight and zero, not too experienced. Has fought some lower level competition over in England, but he looked good doing so. He's got a nice body kick. He's got some real power in his hands. Um, he can fight from both stances. Uh, although he's, I, I believe he's primarily orthodox, but he he will go back and forth. And uh, you know, I was just super impressed with him. He hit his own offensive takedowns. He's he's gotten ground and pound uh, knockouts before. And as I mentioned, his defensive grappling is not bad either. So uh, I think Zubaria should be the favorite. I think he should be around minus two or three hundred of a favorite. Um, but where the price is at now, it is an easy dogger pass, easy value play on Leron Murphy because I think this fight has a great chance of just being a striking battle because unless Zubari comes out here and he chases the offensive takedown more than he ever has, I think that this one will be a lot closer of a fight than what the odds indicate because on the feet, I think Murphy might be the better striker. I think he's more technical. I think he's got the better defense. He uh, throws better straight punches for sure. And if he's able to avoid that big looping uh, hooker overhand from Zubaria, I think he should be the better striker. It really comes down to if Murphy's able to stop the takedowns and if he's able to capitalize on the openings that Zubaria gives him. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Zubaria to get the win by decision just because uh, it's kind of like a setup fight for him. You know, Dana White said he was never fighting in the UFC again a couple months ago, and all of a sudden he's back in the UFC and he's got a pretty decent matchup uh, in Dubai. Um, time for him to come off that layoff and make a statement. I think that he will come in here in good shape and he will probably get the victory. But for a fight that's probably gonna be a striking battle, I'm gonna easily lay uh, a half a unit bet on Leron Murphy at plus 370. And even where he's at right now, anywhere above plus 250 or plus 300, there's some value on Murphy. So I would say throw a value bet on him. Should be a, a good, exciting fight. I think uh, Zubari will eventually get the decision, but it should be a good one. And I think Murphy's a live dog. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Joanne Calderwood, who is 13-4, taking on Andrea Lee, who is 11-2. The opening betting line for this one was Lee the favorite at minus 165 to Calderwood at plus 125. Right now we are seeing Lee minus 220 to Calderwood plus 180. So I actually was able to bet Andrea Lee as the favorite at minus 165 at openers. So you know what my opinion is on the uh, the, the opener. It's the, it's the rightful side. Andrea Lee is the rightful favorite in this one, and she has pretty much every advantage in this fight. And I was happy to, to bet on her at minus 165, and I got in at the right time because her price has dropped since. And I do respect Calderwood. I think that she's made some really good improvements over the past couple of years. She is is well-rounded. Um, her clinch game is, is good. She's got a decent takedown. She's good at catching kicks. She can throw a submission up off her back. She can keep top position. The only area where Calderwood really strain, struggles is striking at range. And that's really how she lost her last fight versus uh, Caitlin Chukagan. It was a really close fight. Calderwood was landing good inside leg kicks the entire fight. She was catching a few of Chukagian's kicks and got some big dumps and uh, put Chukagian on her back a little bit, but wasn't able to keep top position, wasn't able to do much with those caught kick takedowns, and at range, Calderwood thought it was enough to land a, a bunch of leg kicks and maybe the occasional punch, but Ch Chukagian was landing the, the harder, cleaner punches the entire fight. She was landing, Chukagian was landing leg kicks of her own. She was landing some uh, nice body kicks on Calderwood, and Calderwood was just too content to stay at range and get uh, picked apart by the, the punches and the kicks of, of Chukagian. She really lacked initiative in that fight and kind of pissed away the decision, if I'm being honest. That leg kick was really working for her and she just didn't really capitalize off of it so getting over to Andrea Lee she had a really impressive victory over uh, Montana De La Rosa last fight she got taken down a, a little bit in that fight she um was facing a really good grappler in De La Rosa but she was able to get right back up to her feet she was never really in any trouble um on the ground but she did get taken down a few times got taken down off of a kick but uh she she uh was able to get back up to her feet she defended an anaconda choke very well and i think lee won all three rounds of that fight uh, despite her getting taken down a few times she does have good takedown defense good scrambling ability and uh good ability to get back up to her feet so if calderwood uh, attempts to get a takedown in this one i think lee should be able to easily stuff it 
and where Lee's biggest advantages come in this fight is going to be that that range striking I think that Lee's straight punches and her own leg kick will probably land in very well on Calderwood Lee's got really good in and out movement and I think she'll have way better footwork than Calderwood and the clinch is another advantage where Lee should have a big advantage she's really good in the clinch she's strong she throws really good knees uh, to the body to the head and um, I think that even though Calderwood is good in the clinch, good on the ground, I think Lee is just better everywhere. So pending a any uh, bonehead mistake from Andrea Lee, like going to her head and arm throw, which she tends to do, um, I think that Andrea Lee should, should win the fight pretty comfortably. She will be the better striker at range, will be the better grappler. She might hit her own offensive takedowns, but I see the fight really just going, uh, being a striking affair where Lee picks her apart at range, uh, is butchering the, the outside leg kick of JoJo, and eventually uh, KGB Lee is going to win the decision 30-27, so that's going to be the pick. Now we are moving on to the main card of the evening. The first fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Maribek Tysimov, who is 27-5, taking on Carlos Diego Ferreira, who is 15-2. The opening betting line for this one was Maribek Tysimov, the favorite at minus 385 to Carlos Diego Ferreira as the plus 265 underdog. Right now we are seeing Tysimov minus 250, Ferreira plus 210 so more action coming in on the dog uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira in this one and I agree with the line movement and it's pretty simple uh, why I think Tysimov is uh, you know looked l less and less impressive over the years you know he was on a big knockout streak for a while was knocking out some opponents in the first round had a has a really good powerful right hand he's got a really good uh, powerful right kick he'll go to the leg body head with it but outside of that man Tysimov is pretty limited he's kind of a low output striker he's got good takedown defense but uh, he doesn't have the highest work rate he doesn't have the best striking defense and I was really underwhelmed with his fight versus Desmond Green last fight in Russia he uh, I believe one round one was landing some good strikes on Green uh, but then in round two it was a competitive fight he was getting hit with some punches versus Des Green who's not the highest level striker Tysmal was just too content to counter strike wasn't throwing enough volume and if he was fighting a, a busier at more active striker that night yeah I think that he could have lost that fight uh, and Carlos Diego Ferreira's last fight, super impressive performance against Rustam Habilov. He showed incredible takedown defense, position reversals, and grappling in that fight. I mean, he's a third-degree jiu-jitsu black belt, but he showed how high-level his grappling is in that fight, uh, defeating the former Sambo champion in uh, Rustam Habilov. Ferreira's uh, also uh, looked, his striking looked much improved. He had better footwork. He, his boxing looked better. He had a good output and aggression and outstruck uh, um, Kabilov all fight. Uh, and Ferreira was actually supposed to fight Gleason Tebow a few months ago. The fight was canceled, I believe, fight week. But Tebow is another uh, power striker, uh, wide base, hard to take down. And he throws a, a mostly a counter striker as well. So kind of a similar fighter to Tysimov. So Ferreira's been preparing for, you know, that that uh, hard to take down, low base counter striker for a while. So uh, this is a decent matchup for him. Uh, I think Tysimov will, ha or Ferreira will have trouble getting Tysimov down to the ground because Tysimov is, uh, has good takedown defense. He's got a great base and, uh, uh he stuffed the takedowns of Desmond Green, and Ferreira is not the best uh, offensive wrestler. He's more of a defensive grappler than he is offensive, but he might chase the takedown in this one. He might feel confident that his grappling is good enough, and it really might be because the way he outgrappled Kabilov was just so, so impressive, but uh, you got you to gotta be worried about Ferreira is that he got rocked early versus Kyle Nelson when they fought uh, back in uh, December of last year. Nelson came in on short notice, charged him uh, from the jump, and uh, was able to rock him with a few strikes. But Ferreira recovered, took Nelson down, kept top control, and ended up dominating the fight and winning by second round ground to pound uh, TKO in that one. So uh, he got rocked early, though. So you got to think that Tysonoff will be looking uh, to rock him early again, possibly knock Ferreira out in round one, because that's where Tysonoff is best. It's, it's the power in round one. So in round one, if we see a close competitive fight where Carlos Diego Ferreira is throwing more output and landing the better punches, I think he's going to run away with the fight. I think that Tyson or Carlos Diego Ferreira is totally the value side of this fight. I got in one unit on him at plus 265. Where the value's at now, it's getting a little closer to um, 
where the line should be accurately set at. I think Tyson Wall should be the favorite. He should be maybe minus 150, minus 200 range. But, uh, you know, Ferrer at over 2-1 to one, I think is a good bet. I think he will fight for your money. He will be the more active striker, probably landed the more punches. And if he's able to avoid the knockout of Tyson Wall, I think he has a great chance at outvoluming Tyson Wall to the decision, possibly hitting his own offensive takedown and uh, pulling off the upset in this one. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Carlos Diego Carlos Diego Ferreira as the underdog to come through and get the decision victory in this one over uh, Tysonov. Tysonov just looked uh, a little a step slower versus uh, Green. It looked like he, I mean, he fights once a year. He's had three fights in four years. Meanwhile, um, Diego Ferreira has had a little bit better uh, activity. Still not the most active fighter, but uh, I've just been more impressed with Ferreira lately. I think he's still improving. He got down to Safe Sayud's camp uh, or you know, over at Fortis MMA, and I think that uh, Tysonov is, uh, you know, possibly his best days are behind him. So that's why I'm picking uh, Diego Ferreira in this one to get it done by decision. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Curtis Blades, who is 11-2, taking on Shamil Abdurmanikov, who is 20-4. The opening betting line for this one was Blades, the favorite, at minus 275, Abdurmanikov at plus 175. And right now we are seeing Blades minus 485 to Abdurmanikov plus 385, so... A ton of action coming in on Curtis Blades in this one, pushing him from around minus 300 to around minus 500, which is, I think, a little bit too high. I think that this is uh, a little bit tougher of a fight for Curtis Blades than people are making it out to be. Uh, Curtis Blades is a former D1 wrestler. He's got great takedowns, good top control, good ground and pound. Not the best top control. He's kind of content to sit in guard or sit in half guard and just uh, maybe lay and pray for a little bit. Uh, I mean, versus Justin Willis, he was able to take him down at will and dominate him on the ground, but just couldn't find the finish in that one and uh, took that one to the distance. He just showed very little initiative in that one to get the finish. But before that, I mean, he's gotten the knockout over Alistair Overeem, the nasty elbows from, from guard. But uh, and, and the only time that Blades has lost has been to Francis Ngannou. Both of his losses are coming to Francis Ngannou. So uh, Abdurmanikov, he looked great in his last fight. He looked leaner, he looked quicker, and he looked more powerful than ever. Uh, I don't know if he took his, his diet super seriously, took his strength and conditioning seriously, or maybe he, maybe he just got on that good Russian cycle. But he looked great versus Tibura. He was outstriking him early and eventually... Um, rocked him with a left hook and then swarmed him for the knockout finish in round two and abner minikov's got a pretty good wrestling base as well he's hit his own takedowns and he has been taken down before got taken down by tim johnson got mounted got knocked out with ground and pound that was early in his ufc career most recently he was taken down by some some trip takedowns versus andre arlovsky uh, he got taken down twice in round two versus Arlovsky. One, he was able to bounce right, right back up from, and one, he got stuck on his back to end the round in the last 30 seconds. So, uh, you know, Play Blades is pretty much wrestling or bust. I think that Blades' striking is decent. He's got a, a good chin. He's got a good jab. He's the much faster fighter of the two. But if the fight stays standing for a long period of time, I think Abdurmanikov will have the better striking technique. He will have... Uh, the more power in his shots on the feet. I, I don't think, I mean, Blades throws a, a good jab, as I mentioned, but he doesn't really have a big power punch that he can go to. Meanwhile, Abdurmanikov has got bricks for hands. He hits really hard. So where the betting line is at now, I think that there's value for days on Abdurmanikov. I think I would cap uh, Blades around minus 300 to give him a 75% chance to win, but I'm confident with giving Abdurmanikov a 25% chance to uh, stuff takedowns, land some hard shots on the feet, outstrike uh, Curtis Blades, possibly even reverse the position on the ground and uh, get on top himself. So he, he has gotten on top before, and he, he tends to lay and pray and not do much with the top position, but he's a massive heavyweight. It's going to be hard to get you off of him if he gets on top. So it's a close fight. It's a lot closer than what the odds indicate. I think Blades will ultimately win a decision. He will probably get the takedowns of Shamil, on Shamil, and he will probably uh, just keep top position, play it safe like he did versus Willis and win the decision. But I'm happy to throw a little bit of a value bet half unit on Abdurmanikov. Uh, definitely plus 385 is, pretty, is good value for him. So the pick is going to be Blades by decision. 
The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Islam Mahachev, who is 17-1, taking on Davi Hamos, who is 10-2. The opening betting line for this one was Mahachev minus 405 to Davi Hamos plus 285. Right now we are seeing Mahachev minus 325, Hamos plus 265. So early action came in on Davi Hamos. I myself threw a half unit on him at plus 285, and it looked to be like the right side of the equation. He dropped down to as far as plus 160, 170 for a few days, but now he's going back up to plus 265. And uh, initially, I thought, you know, Davi Hamos, he's a former ADCC um, 2015 76 kilogram champion, one of the uh, highest level grapplers on the roster. And uh, I thought that it was going to be a grappling match and that it was good value. But realistically, the line was set pretty accurately. Uh, I'm not saying I regret the bet, but uh, I don't think there was too much value on it after all. Because after taping this fight, Makachev is just simply the better MMA fighter. He is the better striker by a pretty decent margin. He's got better movement, distance management. He throws the better kicks of the two. Uh, he's got a, he's got a decent overhand left. He knocked out uh, Gleison Tebow with it not too long ago, and Hamos looked decent on the feet against uh, Austin Hubbard. He looked a little improved. He was throwing some good kicks, uh, or I mean, he's throwing good punches for a change. He had some some power in his punches. He was counter striking pretty well. He typically throw before that fight. He was just throwing big big looping punches, big. Uh, telegraph kicks and because he wasn't worried about being taken down he was just trying to close the distance to get the takedown himself but he definitely looked to improve his striking a little bit last fight so uh, respect to Hamos for evolving his MMA game but uh, he needs the takedown or he needs the top control he needs the uh, the back take to win this fight and I just don't think he's going to get it because Islam Makachev is I think a better grappler and even though Hamos won the ADCC 2015 gold medal in his weight class, which, uh, as I mentioned before on the podcast, the ADCC takes place in Abu Dhabi every year. It's the highest level nogi competition in the world, and Davi Hamos won the whole fucking thing. So, in- extremely high level grappling. But Makachev is, uh, you know, master in sport and sambo. He's been grappling his whole life. He trains with Khabib on a daily basis, the best grappler in the world, and uh, you know he just he's adapted his game for MMA way better. His takedown defense is elite. He's he never gets on his back. He he does he did was a little reckless versus uh Sarukian getting back to his feet and that one from the takedowns, but I think he knew Sarukian is not much of a back taker and was a little reckless getting up to the feet. I don't think he will be reckless at all versus Hamos. I think he will be extremely technical in there, stuffing takedowns, scrambling uh, really effectively, and maybe even Mahachev will be the one ending up in top position looking to get that Dagestani handcuff, Dagestani triangle, get those dominant positions that he's so known for. And uh, on the feet, I just think uh, Mahachev will be able to outstrike Hamos. He will be, have the better movement, the better kicks. And we will probably see Mahachev look for his own takedown and put uh, Hamos on his back. Because Hamos is uh, an elite-level grappler, but he really likes top position. He he needs a back taker. He needs top position to be effective. He's not nearly as effective on his back. Uh, so... If, if Mahachev is able to avoid the back take in this one, I think it's his fight to win. Uh, Mahachev is just a, simply the better overall fighter. Uh, initially, I mean, it's not the worst idea to, to bet um, a half unit, one unit on Hamos at this price because it, it will probably be a grappling fight, and he is an elite-level grappler, and he could pull off the upset victory in this one, but I just don't see it happening. Mahachev is really entering his prime right now, If and if Khabib wasn't, his best friend and the champion, uh, we could see uh, Mahachev possibly getting the belt at some point at lightweight. But uh, with the current landscape of things, I don't think that'll happen. I think uh, Mahachev will win the fight, and I'm going to go with a decision. I don't think he'll finish Mahachev. I think it'll be a really fun uh, scramble-filled fight with a lot of takedown defense, which I personally like a lot. But I trust uh, Islam's uh, takedown defense, his, his uh, cardio a little bit more than Hamos's, and his overall MMA game is much better than Hamos. So the pick is going to be Mahachev to get it done by decision. The next fight is the co-main event of the evening taking place in the lightweight division. We have Paul Felder who is 16 and 4 taking on Edson Barboza who is 20 and 7. The opening betting line for this one was 
Barboza at minus 175 to Felder at plus 135. Right now we are seeing Barboza minus 155, Felder plus 135. So that early action came in on Felder's way and it was actually almost a near pick em for a while. I think Barboza got as low as minus 130, but uh, ever since then that, uh, that action has come back on Barbosa, and this is a rematch I should mention between the two. Uh, they fought back in uh, July of 2015, and Barbosa was able to win that fight by decision. But uh, I think that since that fight, uh, Felder has been the one making the more improvements. I think uh, Felder is still improving fight to fight, and maybe hasn't even mentioned or uh, entered his prime yet. Meanwhile, Barbosa I think is past his prime and on his way to a declining fighter. And I think Felder is the one more likely to make the adjustments in between the first fight and the second fight. And I think that Felder is the, the right side of the betting things in this one. I just can't trust Barboza at uh, minus 155, especially coming off that knockout loss to Gaethje. Uh, it's just getting harder and harder to trust Barbosa at minus money now. He did look great as the favorite against Hooker. Uh, just body kicked him to death in that one and got the third round knockout. But uh, I think Felder is going to learn from his mistakes in, in the first fight and uh, correct them this one. So uh, I'll talk about the first fight real quick. So Felder, it was only his third fight in the UFC. He was super green at the time. And he th was throwing so many spinning attacks. He was throwing spinning elbows and fists and kicks and they were all not really close to hitting it's like uh he he still throws them occasionally but he's toned them down a lot he's his output of spinning shit has has decreased a lot luckily because uh it's not really a reliable offense you can go to so Felder, his main problem is that he was staying at kicking range and he did not have an answer for the kicks of Barboza. If you want to beat Barboza, there is a formula written in stone. You can literally, anybody will tell you this. The great fighters in MMA have been able to execute it, execute it pretty easily. Michael Johnson and, and uh, Gaethje did it. Uh, Ferguson did it. Khabib did it. You have to pressure Barbosa. If Barbosa is on his back foot, moving backwards, not able to kick, he almost always loses. He uses a ton of energy in his footwork, uh, circling around the octagon. He's not very conservative at all on his movements, and that's why he, he tends to get tired when he's moving backwards. And when he's not moving backwards, he can't kick much he, he does not have much power behind his punches and he's just n nowhere near effective moving backwards so if felder is able to pressure barbosa and stay out of kicking range and get into boxing range that's how felder wins the fight and it's easier said than done because uh, hooker tried to do it early he had a little success early but eventually he just uh, was out on the outside too much and got kicked to death it was getting leg kicked and body kicked and uh, took an insane amount of damage versus barbosa in that fight but uh, if Felder comes out fr from the jump, is way more aggressive, is not standing on the outside, he's not getting letting Barbosa get free kicks off without countering back, then Felder should win the fight. He should be able to, I mean, he was landing good punches in the first fight versus Barbosa, but he just wasn't pressuring enough to land them consistently. And uh, he's just showed his lack of experience in that fight, but he's fought a lot more since then, picked up some good victories. Looked really good in the James Vick fight last fight. He was uh, had good good uh, calf kicks in that fight. Was outboxing um, Vick and landed a lot of damage on Vick. He he also got hit with some punches back himself. It wasn't a dominant performance. He wasn't uh, overly aggressive in that fight, but it was still a nice decision victory for Felder. So I think uh, Felder is the one who has made more improvements fight to fight. I think Felder is the more uh, capable fighter at this point in their career. Uh, even though Barbosa uh, has still has the power in his kicks, he's still got great technique. I'm sure his his patent and switch kicks, leg kicks, spinning kicks will be on display as they will always. But I'm trusting Felder to apply the right game plan and to get the decision victory in this one. Possibly even knocking out Barbosa in this one with all the damage Barbosa has taken in his career, coming off that nasty knockout against Gaethje last fight. It's certainly possible that Felder gets the knockout. But I'm gonna be safe and pick the the decision. For Felder, it's, I mean, I'm sure it'll be unlikely. I'm sure it'll be like plus 400 odds for, for uh, Felder to win the decision, but I think it's going to happen. I think he's getting more calculated as a fighter, and he's going to come out here and put on one of his most uh, uh, calculated performances, put on a good game plan versus Barbosa, and I think he's going to get the decision win. So the pick is going to be Felder to get it done by decision.
and I uh, have not lit a bet on him yet at plus 135, but I'd say that he is well within value. I'd say Barbosa should be minus 130 with Felder coming back at plus 110. So there's a little bit of action on uh, the dog Felder in this one. Now the next fight is the main event of the evening for the undisputed lightweight championship. We have undisputed champion Khabib Nurmagomedov, who is 27 and 0, taking on interim champion Dustin Poirier, who is 25 and 5. The opening betting line for this one was Nurmagomedov minus 240 to Poirier at plus 205. And since then, much more action is coming in on the champion, the undisputed champion, Khabib Nurmagomedov, pushing him all the way down to minus 450, with Poirier being at plus 360 right now. Man, just what what an incredible fight. Just right off the bat, uh, these two are elite-level MMA fighters. They're both, I'd say, in the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters in the world right now. And this is just truly a special treat to get to witness this matchup. Both of these guys are in the prime of their career. Poirier's got a ton of momentum coming off the Holloway victory and all of his uh, lightweight victories over Gaethje and Pettis and Alvarez. And Nurmagomedov is coming off of uh, his biggest fight of his career, defeating Conor McGregor uh, by fourth-round submission in that one. He looked incredible in that fight, the best Khabib has ever looked. And... This is just a, an incredible, incredible MMA fight. It's a hard fight to pick, um, but uh, I you know, have done the tape study on these two. I'll try to remain impartial, but full disclosure, I'm a huge fan of both of these guys. I would be ecstatic to see either one of them win. I would be disappointed to see either one of them lose. So uh, it's going to be a tough fight to pick and a tough fight to stay unemotional throughout analyzing it, but I will do my best. So... Khabib Nurmagomedov, the champion, we will start with him. He, his game plan is, like I said before with Barbosa, his game plan is kind of written stone. Uh, and Nurmagomedov, his plan is to take you down in round one, not do too much with the takedown. He likes to, to get top position, to keep top position. And if you try to get up in round one, that's the first mistake versus Khabib. What you want to do is you want to try to, you want to, on the feet, you want to be defensive, you want to have a wide base, you want to try to not let Khabib take you down, but if, if he does get you down in round one, you're not getting back up, you're not breaking the grip, you're not escaping, no one has ever done it in my opinion, except for maybe Gleason Tebow a couple years ago, he was able to stuff the takedowns, break the grip of Khabib, but uh, in the past five years, no one that's got taken down by Khabib has gotten back up, uh, Maybe I mean, I Quinta got back to his feet. He got dragged back down. I mean, he might have escaped one or two takedowns, like gotten back to his feet and, and stayed up for a few seconds. But uh, if, if Khabib gets you down, he's almost always winning the round. He has the best top control in the sport, the best ground and pound probably in the sport. I'd say Jack Hermanson's ground and pound is up there with, with Khabib's, but Khabib's positional dominance is just unlike any grappler in the history of MMA. Uh, his striking on the feet is, is not is not great. He uh, doesn't have the best defense, but he looked really good versus McGregor on the feet. Uh, versus round uh, In round two, he was able to drop McGregor by faking the, the, t- the double leg and coming over top with the overhand right. In rounds three versus McGregor, he stood and trade with McGregor in the pocket for the whole round, which was unheard of. People thought that if the fight was on the feet, it was clearly going to be a, a Connor getting the better of the exchanges. But we learned in round three, Khabib's is, is a fucking not scared of anything, man. He's a motherfucker. He he stood toe-to-toe with McGregor, the guy who's supposed to be the best striker in the sport, and he had an extremely competitive round with him. Now, I did give the round to Connor by the slimmest of margins, but Khabib was landing powerful right hands in that those exchanges, and... His defense looked good, and you know, Khabib just showed that his striking is a lot better than we thought. So, um, getting over to Dustin Poirier now, he and I think Poirier might be the better well-rounded of the two, to be honest. Poirier is a black belt on the ground, he's got uh, decent uh, defensive grappling, he's got good submissions, but in terms of, of stuff and takedowns and staying off the of bottom, getting back to his feet, he's he's not the best. If you watch the fight versus Eddie Alvarez, he, he jumped guillotine a few times, which were two huge mistakes he made in that fight. And if, you, if he... He won't make those mistakes versus Khabib. I'm almost certain of it because uh, he's been drilling this idea into his mind to stay off the ground, to avoid any dumb grappling mistakes versus Khabib. 
and I think he will avoid making too too vital of an error, like pulling, or uh, like jumping guillotine or pulling guard, like whatever he did versus Alvarez. But he ended up on bottom versus Alvarez, and he got mounted versus Alvarez, and he was being controlled. Luckily for Poirier, he got hit with a 12 to 6 elbow and got the position taken away and quickly knocked out Alvarez shortly after. But he was in a bad spot, and that is, I, I want I wanted to lean Poirier's way. I wanted to believe that he uh, would win the, the fight because I think the betting value is certainly on Dustin Poirier in this one. But after seeing that that position that Alvarez got in, he was able to mount Poirier. Poirier was a little reckless getting back to his feet. Uh, that pretty much sealed the deal that I think that Khabib will be able to get dominant position on Poirier and will be able to win early rounds versus Dustin Poirier. Now, Poirier's best chance of winning the fight is to stuff the takedowns early, to land hard shots on the feet, possibly uh, rock Khabib, and possibly knock him out. Or try to do what Connor did, and you lose the first two rounds, and you try not to take as little damage and try to use as little energy as possible. And then in rounds three, four, and five, that's when you start to take over. And that's a path to victory for Poirier. I mean, he has decent... Uh, uh, defensive grappling and he he's tough as fuck man he could take a beating and he will still be there in rounds three four and five so i think that that's a we that's a great chance of how this fight ends up going is khabib gets to take down in round one poirier stays on bottom accepts bottom doesn't try to use much energy and just conserves energy loses round one and round two khabib is going to start uh get the takedown again he's going to start looking to unleash more ground and pound he's going to look to start uh advancing position maybe getting submission and really doing damage in top position and then in rounds three four and five khabib has a little bit of a, a nasty habit of wanting to strike a little more he did it versus i quinto he did it versus mcgregor and if he does that versus Poirier, I think he's going to be in trouble because right now I think Poirier has the better cardio and the better striking compared to McGregor or Iaquinta. Even though those guys are talented strikers, they have uh, good cardio, they can go the full five rounds. I think Poirier is just a different animal. And that, that fight versus Max Holloway last fight, one of the highest level MMA fights of all time, was a five round striking battle with uh, Max Holloway, one of the greatest fighters ever himself, and Dustin Poirier was able to outstrike, outbox, land the better, harder shots, and rock Max Holloway multiple times throughout that fight. He dug deep, he had good cardio in the later rounds, had a high output in all five rounds, and it was just a miraculous performance from Dustin Poirier. So uh, getting down to it, it really comes down to if you think that Poirier can capitalize on the moments striking on the feet, will he be able to land hard punches uh, while the short amount of time that this fight is on the feet? And I think he will, honestly. I think he's going to have Khabib in some trouble. I think uh, he will... Uh, maybe have Khabib rocked at some point and we'll have Khabib shooting sloppy takedowns and I really think it's going to be a, a crazy back and forth type of fight and uh, the official prediction you're going to get out of me is for Khabib Nurmagomedov to win a decision 48-47 I think it'll be a fight where we see Khabib get the early lead uh, really similar to the McGregor fight where he wins round one uh you know comfortably he wins round two dominantly rounds three four and five i think poirier is going to come back a little bit i think he's going to come back and win round three i think uh maybe Khabib, maybe poirier wins round four but i think khabib will come out here and dig deep into his championship ability and he will um will eventually start coming back and he will win a round in round four or five and he will secure the three rounds and secure the decision for him but i really think that we're in for a classic fight i think it's going to be a high level back and forth fight i think we're going to see both guys win rounds we're going to see poirier hurt with ground and pound on the on the ground we're going to see norman gamadov hurt with strikes on the feet it's a really, really incredible fight. I mean, it's hard to pick. I can go back and forth on it. We, we could see Nurmagomedov be much more dominant than I think. We could see Poirier uh, make mistakes trying to get back up to his feet early, get dragged back down, get his cardio sucked out of him, and uh, maybe Khabib will run away with it. Maybe he will he will get him down in the third and the fourth round and continue that ground and pound onslaught and maybe even get a late finish or run away with the decision. Or we could see Poirier knock Khabib out in the first two rounds, catch him on the feet with a punch coming in, 
like we thought that uh, Connor could do. But Poirier, I think, has the better footwork. He's got the better defensive grappling, and his boxing technique is is uh, really the best in MMA right now. And that and it was on full display versus Holloway last fight. So. It's a tough fight to predict. In the betting window, I think that there's a lot of value on Poirier. I think that anything above plus 300 on Poirier is a value bet. So uh, on plus 360 right now, I think it's worth a value stab on Poirier for a half unit, one unit. And uh, I have one unit um myself on him at that price and possibly we'll even add more maybe won't go more than two units but even though i think poirier will lose the fight i think that it's it's crazy that he's plus 360 poirier was disrespected last fight as the two to one underdog versus max he won that fight pretty comfortably and I think he's getting disrespected in the betting lines here again. Khabib's that dominant champion, and that's why you're seeing the heavy action come in on him the past few days. And it is a good matchup for him. He should be able to get the top down in position. He should be able to do good work with it. But it's a lot closer fight than people are making it out to be. I think it's going to be an all-time classic in MMA history. I'm really looking forward to the fight. I cannot wait for Saturday, man. This is going to be a crazy, crazy fight. It's only 72 hours away from the time I'm recording this because the, the main card does start at 2 p.m. So uh, the pick is going to be Khabib Nurmagomedov to win by 48-47 decision. The betting value right now is on Dustin Poirier and I hope everybody enjoys this fight. I hope it lives up to the expectations and uh, my expectations are high for it. It's, it's going to be uh, an all-time classic, I think. Uh, and I think Khabib retains the title in uh, championship form. So uh, that's going to do it for the podcast this week. Uh, have not made many bets for this card yet. I put uh, um, let's see, 0.67 units on uh, Fras Zion plus 165. I might lock in a unit on Salikov at plus money. Uh, let's see here. We got um, half a unit on Leron Murphy at plus 370. 1.7 units on Andrea Lee at minus 165. Uh, one unit on Carlos Diego Ferreira at plus 265. I'll probably add a half unit to Abdurmanikov at plus 385. Got a half unit on uh, Hamos at plus 285. And uh, we might add a unit to Felder plus 135. Have not decided yet. And lastly, one unit on Dustin Poirier at uh, around plus 330 average odds. So uh, we'll update my Bet MMA tips page with my final bets later. And you can follow me on Twitter at UFO UFC to see my thoughts. Uh, at the fights uh, about the fights as the fight day gets closer but that is going to do it for episode 74 of the martian mma podcast we previewed all 13 fights going down on ufc 242 this saturday september 7 2019 once again the four f- first prelims start at fight pass espn at 10 a.m eastern four um prelims on fx the tv channel at 12 p.m eastern time then the main card on espn plus pay-per-view at 2 p.m eastern time so hope everybody enjoys the fights i hope it's a great weekend of fights and i will catch you all next week peace